Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Addicts podcast. We are previewing Monday Night Football, Kansas City Chiefs versus the New York Giants. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam, as always, we're back. Verderam, how you been doing these last few days? You you coping okay? You're, you're starting to see the silver lining, those types of things, or are you just as miserable as you were on after Sunday's debacle? No, I'm okay. I'm tired. I've worked like 40 some odd hours and, and God knows more in the last four days. So I'm, I'm pretty tired, but I, no, I don't see any silver linings. They, they stunk. They're three and four and they are a nine and a half point favorite against the Giants at home where normally that team would be like a 17 point favorite. So the, the silver lining is that the Titans game is over. That That's it. I, I don't know what else you could have watched from that game other, other than they, Nick Bolton. I mean, is that the silver line that he was great? Because other than that, not a whole lot of silver in that game. Yeah, not a lot of silver at all. We're going to give some folks some time to get in here. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? What's up, Will? What's up, Hot Water Music? Jeff, Gonzo, appreciate you guys. Oh, Gonzo, and you're, you're in Chicago, man. That's awesome. Whereabouts? I'm down on the south side in Beverly. Used to live up by Wrigley, but we just moved down here. Pandemic ran us out of our two-bedroom condo. Had to get ourselves uh, just a little bit more space here. It's just talking to Verter. I'm putting in a patio. Just exciting stuff, you know, things you do when you own a home. The shame of it is he is hiring someone to do it. And not that I'm, I'm against that, but I would have just liked to have seen Patrick do a patio. <laughs> yeah, I don't think my my wife or my lower back would have liked to see me do a patio. So, that's uh, yeah, I, that's all right. I was out there stacking firewood the other day and moving moving paving stones around. So I'm not a completely uh, worthless homeowner. But, um, you know, th- t- a couple things you don't want to mess with too much, right? You, like. You don't want to mess with stuff, lifting heavy things if you got a bad back. And uh, you don't want to mess with electrical stuff. Fry your yes. brains. That is that is true. I am terrified of, of like creating a fire in the house. I will never touch my electrical. My my father-in-law does all things electrical at the house. I installed a new like lighting fixture. And uh, you know how you get, you get in there and the, the wires are supposed to be, you know, black and white and red. Yeah. You're supposed to know everything. Yeah, no. Like the guy that owned this place, like I got in there and the wires are like all peach. So I'm just like guessing. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just in there like hooking things up. And then I got to go, you know, run down and turn on the breaker. Um, so like yeah. I'm telling my wife like, okay, you stand in here. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to flip the breaker. And then like you tell me, like yell if something starts going wrong. Right. And uh, she's so like, I flipped the breaker and she's like, I'm just trying to put in this dimmer. And she's like, all right, lights on. I'm like, oh, awesome. So I'm like jogging up the stairs and she's like, it's starting to flicker. And like, I pause, like, I'm like, I'm like halfway up the basement steps and I'm like flickering, huh? Maybe I should go back down and turn it off. And I'm like, well, let me go see what she's talking about. I go like a few more steps and she's like, it smells like burning. <laughs> and I was like, oh God, flew back down the stairs, flipped it. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's wired a little wonkily and I don't think I can install a stimmer, which is a bummer. Um, 
Hey, what's up, Oregon? Uh, what's up, Christian? Christian's always up in here. Um, cool. All right, let's, let's so let's get into some of this talk here. Um, so, look, the first thing that I want to hit is, and, and I've seen this for more than one person. I tweeted out somebody yesterday because I just was losing my mind. The Chiefs are three and four, and there are Chiefs fans out there. Now we talked about this on the podcast. We get emotional, you know, we get a little upset. It's hard to watch your team lose, especially when you have such high expectations. We're here for that. We understand it. You see us on this podcast, like getting pissed off. We're cursing a little bit. We're, we're, we're coming unhinged a little bit. But one thing we have not said on this podcast, and you will never hear me, unless he murders somebody, what you are not going to hear me say on this podcast is the Chiefs need to fire Andy Reid. But there are Chiefs fans on Twitter and elsewhere, I'm sure, in bar rooms across the country. We need to get rid of Andy Reid. This is ridiculous. Fire everybody. I want to remind you guys of some things, okay? Just just a quick reminder. Andy Reid, since he's been in Kansas City in the regular season, is 94-41. and 41. That's a 696 winning percentage. He's 7-6 and six in the playoffs. That's a 538 winning percentage. He's been to three, state, three straight AFC championship games. If D4 didn't jump off sides, he'd have been to three straight Super Bowls. He's been to two straight Super Bowls. He's won one of them. The Chiefs have made the playoffs every year he's been in Kansas City with the exception of one. And a year that they finished 9-7 and seven and finished second place in the AFC West. They've won one, two, three, four, five straight AFC West championships. Before Andy Reid got there, I don't think they'd ever won back-to-back AFC nope. championships. They never had AFC West championships, yeah. He's one of the greatest coaches ever. You could make the argument it's like Belichick, Lombardi, Andy Reid is in that mix. You got a few others, Landry, right? Paul Brown. I mean, he is in the, the top of the top. All-time NFL head coaches. He's done it for a period of time that is really difficult to do. From when Andy Reid started coaching and the way that football was, particularly offensive football, and the way it is now, he's been an innovator. You know, it's just like rock bands. It's really hard to like stay relevant for decade after decade after decade. There's been a few that have been able to do it, but it's really difficult. So what I say to you, Chiefs fans, who are who think that Andy Reid should be fired, What I would like to say to you is, are you out of your fucking minds? Are you out of your minds? Do you remember the the reign of Todd Haley? We did make a playoff, by the way. Good good for him in that period. Of of Romeo Cronell. He did not make the playoffs. (laughs) He did not make the playoffs. I mean, are you guys just like... You gotta, you gotta stop. Listen to me. You gotta stop and take a, a, a deep breath. And I apologize very early. I know I'm taking up all the oxygen here early. I'll but like, it's just like, do, do you, do you remember the seasons before Andy Reid got here? Do you remember Chiefs fans? Lots of Chiefs fans being on the internet saying, I can't believe we're not giving Tyler Thigpen another chance to start because he threw 17 touchdowns in a season. Do you remember Do you remember being like, well, we need to get a look at, um, oh God, the guy from Iowa that never started. Ricky Stanzi. Ricky Stanzi. We're like, we're we going to get Ricky Stanzi in there. The quarterback. For, yeah, the quarterback. Yeah, Ricky okay, Stanzi. I remember talking about Kirk Francis, yeah, the coach. Yeah. They, were, they were all Oh, no. Them. The Ch- Ch- Chiefs fans were like, we got to get... 
you know, why can't Ricky? He couldn't even. Do you remember that they were they were trotting out like Tyler Palco and stuff? Ricky Stanzi oh. couldn't even get in a regular season game. The oh, team was so bad, right? So I just listen. I, it's okay to be upset. It's totally okay to be upset. It, what, when when I say you're nuts, if you think Andy Reid should be fired, I'm not saying Andy Reid shouldn't be held accountable for bad play calling, poor personnel choices, so on and so forth. I'm not saying any of that. <laughs> you, a buddy of mine's a big Eagles fan. When Andy Reid came to the Chiefs, he was like, "Oh, you're gonna get Andy's bad at clock management and all this stuff." And I told him, "Man, you all are crazy for firing Andy Reid. When you find a catch like Andy Reid." You do not go out and like get on Tinder, right? Like you stick. No, I didn't think I'd be talking about Andy Reid and Tinder this morning. I'm going to turn it over to you, Verderam. But like, it, it just you got to have perspective in life. And I feel like Chiefs fans are they're starting to look like a bunch of spoiled brats. Well, listen, I always I I always take the tact of I will never blame a fan for unless they say something heinous for what they say during the game or directly after the game because. God knows if I went through my game day tweets of the Chiefs, I've said things that in like hours later look dumb. Like whatever. You you have emotion involved in it. You're gonna say some things. Fine. The people that wake up on Monday morning and are like, yeah, I think they should fire Andy Reid. My my question is, and I know you put it perfectly. Look, he is historically speaking, he's a top 15 coach in NFL history. He is. I mean, by wins, he's top six. Um, he's gone to three Super Bowls. Listen, I I just think he's a top 15 head coach all time. I mean, he, you you said, you know, a couple of the names ahead of him. Yeah, there are some, you know, Chuck Noll won four Super Bowls, Coach Trevor, but Andy Reid is a top 15 coach ever. The NFL is in its, what, 102nd year ever. And my question to Chief fans who feel that way or anybody who feels that way, who are you replacing him with? Eric Bieniemy? Like, Eric Bieniemy's learned at the knee of Andy Reid. Like, who are you? Are you going to fire him and, like, call up Bill Cower and hope he comes out of retirement? You, you're going to, I mean, what are you doing? And by the way, if they if they fired Andy Reid, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, there would be 25 teams that would either try to fill the vacancy with Andy Reid or fire their own head coach immediately to hire Andy Reid. Andy Reid, I do not believe, has done a great job this year. I don't. I think they've been slow to adjust. I think their offense has been stale as hell. But I don't think Andy Reid's the reason they're losing games. Their defense stinks. They can't stop anybody. And Mahomes can't stop turning the ball over. That is not on Andy Reid. Like, I get people love to make everything about a coaching thing, and, and if not a coach, then usually a quarterback because those are the two people that are the biggest lightning rods on a team, right? Because it's a hell of a lot easier to just go, I don't like to play call. I made a bad throw there. Than it is to really look at it and break down like the real reasons this team's losing. I'll give you a couple of examples of why I think they're losing that don't get talked about enough. And I don't think they're the end-all, be-all reasons, but they're reasons. They're bigger reasons than people think. McCole Hardman's been on this team for three years, and I've always been somebody who said, I think McCole Hardman is a decent player, and I do feel that he's a decent player. His talent level is one of a guy who should be a lot better than he is. You want to know why McCole Hardman is what he is? Because he runs two routes. That's why. How many times do you see him run anything but a slant route, a quick slant route, and a go route? Never. Every once in a blue moon, he'll run a post. You don't ever see him running out, cut, run a deep in or a sail route. You never see him do it. He runs two routes. Demarcus Robinson's been in the league six years. In this offense, for six years, still runs the wrong routes all the time. All the time. You watch the game. I mean, how many times even beyond that, on games where he runs all the routes right, does he get himself open? Gets no separation. He played 79% of the snaps on Sunday. That's good. That's a crime. That's a crime. That part of it's on Andy Reid. Play Byron Pringle. Play Josh Gordon. 
play anybody else. He stinks. It's over. He can't play. So I think, look, there's a lot of things, and I and I agree. Look, Andy Reid is certainly not above criticism. But when I look at the history of the NFL, and I love the history of the NFL, so I'm, I'm very aware of who's better than him. You know, guys like George Hallis, Curly Lambeau, you mentioned Landry, Chuck Knoll, you know, Bill Walsh. He's in that like top 15 class. He will walk into the Hall of Fame when he retires. You don't fire that guy. Like Andy Reid will determine when he's ready to go home. That's it. Andy Reid's got essentially a lifetime deal with the Chiefs, and he should. He should. You know, I look. I agree with your take, and and I, I don't. I'm not big into calling people spoiled brats, especially ones who watch and follow us. And thank you for that. Okay? <laughs> but I think we can all acknowledge they have had a winning season every year. Andy Reid's been here, and if you fire him or you want to fire him because you're three and four. What? I mean, that's crazy. I don't care if they go seven and ten. You're not firing Andy Reid. Like, guys, sometimes shit happens. Like, sometimes it just doesn't work out. The 80s 49ers, I think, are the best team ever assembled. Right? You talk about the 60s Packers. They didn't have the competition that the 80s Niners had. The 80s 49ers were in a great, great conference. You know, we weren't in the salary cap era yet, but teams are smarter. Like, it was harder to accumulate talent. That team went like this over the course of the decade. Okay, in 1980, they sucked. 81, they won the Super Bowl. 82, they didn't make the playoffs. 83, they lost in the NFC title game. 84, 15 and 1, best thing they ever had, they won the Super Bowl. 85, didn't win a playoff game. 86, didn't win a playoff game. 87, didn't win a playoff game. Guess what? Bill Walsh, not fired. Like, because he's Bill Walsh. And then they went and they won back to back Super Bowls the next two years. Like, sometimes it just happens. You don't. You don't fire everybody because you're off to a three and four start. Like that's just that's crazy. And by the way, that that's how you ruin everything. When you just make rash, crazy decisions, that's how you ruin what they have. Not because they have one year where they're a little underwhelming. Like you just don't do that. Right. And people, you guys got to remember. Do you remember like the Patriots? Now, of course, they won three out of four Super Bowls in the early two thousands. Yeah. They did not they did not win a Super Bowl in 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013. They didn't win any Super Bowls. They made it to the playoffs. They lost in the conference title games. They lost sorry, they didn't win a Super Bowl. They made the Super Bowls, lost in the wild card round, made the playoffs every year. Incredible, amazing consistency. They did not win a Super Bowl and then they won three more. Can you imagine if Patriots fans when they went when they went 10 and 6 and lost in the divisional round in 2005 were like we need to fire Bill Belichick. Like it's just it's the NFL you guys. Like so I know it's really weird for us to all of a sudden like be in three straight AFC championships games games as Chiefs fans and 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 Tom Brady is and god I love Mahomes and I hope he continues to improve and just be amazing and has a long insane career. Tom Brady is god it makes me like nauseous to say this but like I just have so much respect for the guy as a, as a player. He is maybe the greatest team sport player of all time. He's just abs- – what he's doing and what he has done is absolutely incredible and unheard of. It's so difficult in the NFL. And even he went like a decade without winning a Super Bowl because it's the NFL. So you just – it's a, you got to have – you got to just adjust your perspective a little bit and understand that they're just not going to do it every year. And by the way, the, the Pats had – one of the great, and I'm not, I agree with everything you said. The Pats had one of the great advantages of all time. Go look at that division for 20 years. The Dolphins were awful. The Jets were awful. The Bills were awful. I mean, the best quarterback 
that he faced in that division over that entire stretch was was literally Chad Pennington and Brett Favre for one year. That was it. That was it. I mean, nobody got an easier ride to the divisional round every year than Tom Brady. Now, I'm not one of these people who say, oh, he got lucky, he got lucky, he got lucky. He's a great player. But let's also be he got There was a lot of luck. There was. I mean, they they were the greatest dynasty I've ever, I've ever seen. I, I guess I probably will ever see. 20 years in the NFL in the salary cap year is just impossible. They also had an unbelievable amount of good fortune. They had three teams in that division who couldn't get out of their way for two decades straight, who were just a guaranteed 5-1 and one or 6-0 and oh every year. I mean, how many? it almost became a running joke, but every year the Patriots had the easiest schedule in football, despite having the first-place schedule. Why? Because they played six powder puffs every year. They were just going to crush those teams. So they had a very, very easy road to get to the divisional. The Chiefs don't have that. The Chargers are really good. The Raiders are a decent team. Like it's not. And, and by the way, that's fine. Like that's normal. You're going to have teams in your division that are really good teams that are tough. The Chargers have Herbert. They're not going away. Like that's going to be a battle that they have to deal with. But you know what? For a lot of years, you know, when the Colts had Manning, who are they playing against? Houston stunk. Jacksonville stunk. Tennessee was up and down. Right. Like. The Chiefs don't have that luxury, and that's fine, by the way. Like, that's normal. But I think sometimes people just think, like, well, what, well, the Pats did what they did. That's the standard. Guys, that's not the standard. That is not. That is beyond being an outlier. Like, that's crazy what happened in New England all those years. And as you mentioned, Patrick, they didn't win a damn Super Bowl for a decade. It's so hard. Injuries happen. Contracts happen. Bad years. Bad drafting. It happens. And I know, you know, look, we've all seen and heard Brett Veach has taken a lot of the blame too here over the last couple of weeks. And I would I would say to anybody who wants to get on Veach, listen, there, there's criticisms to be had. Okay, the Clark contract right now is a huge anchor. I don't have any big issue with the Hitchens contract. I think it's okay, but some people don't like that. Fine. The Clark thing's complicated because I'm the first one right now who is ready to just shoot Frank Clark's contract and, and, and the player at the, just went off to the moon. I don't think they would have won the Super Bowl without him. I don't. I will forever. I know the analytics nerds out there will say that that's BS. Anybody could have gotten us like, yeah, well, anyone didn't get him. He got him. And I also think his attitude that year was a huge reason they won. If you go back and look at that year, the way he carried himself, I think gave that team immense confidence. I do not think they would have won. And by the way, you talk to people around that team that year, they don't think they would have won without him either. So you could go back and forth on that. But you know what? Veach has also had a ton of hits. They've brought in a lot of great players under him. And I think most importantly, he has signed a lot of their great players to very palatable contracts. Guys like Kelsey and Hill and Mahomes. Guys you know, on a lot of teams, would, they would not have been able to keep all those guys. And they did. They kept all of them together. That is an, that is an incredible feat. That if nothing else, Brett Veach is a, is a good general manager for that alone. And then you tack on, hey, he, he brought in Tyron Matthew. He was able to keep Chris Jones as well. They've had good draft classes the last couple of years, especially. And that's one thing, by the way, I want to get to real quick. I have people all the time tell me, well, he's, he's not a good drafter. The 2018 class was a train wreck. Other than Naughty, they all stunk. Okay. The 2019 class, I would sit here and say, was average. They didn't have a first round pick okay, because they traded for Clark. You want to hit him for that? Fine. They drafted Hardman in the second round, late second round. They drafted Thornhill late second round. Guys, from late second round picks, that that's a good haul. Those are good players. Like that's, that's not a bad job. And then they got Rashad Fenton in the sixth round. Rashad Fenton's a good player in the sixth round. Nick Allegretti was a very good seventh-round pick. He ended up starting games for them. Like, Nick Allegretti's a good reserve player, which for a seventh-round pick's great. 2020, they get Lejari Steed in the fourth round. They get Lucas Niang, who I think is going to be just fine in the third round. They get Willie Gay, who we all like in the second round. 
I agree Edwards Alaire is a luxury, but it's not like he's awful. He's a guy. Now, I, I don't love that pick. That's not a good pick. But it's not like, oh, my God, they drafted some guy who played four snaps. And then this year, I think we all think Creed Humphrey, great player. Trey Smith, great player. Nick Bolton looks like a pretty good player. Like, I don't understand. Sometimes, guys, it's, it's okay not to have, like, the blame game and just go, look, they're just having a really tough seven games. They are. And maybe they come out of it, maybe they won't, but it doesn't mean you just clean house. You don't clean house. You trust the people that got you the three straight AFC title games and two Super Bowls and a title to figure it out. Yeah, I agree. And, and another another team that's been super, super consistent and successful is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Model franchise. They don't panic. They don't fire their coaches. One of the reasons why the Pittsburgh Steelers have been so successful over the years is because of that steady leadership and ownership and consistency with head coaches, um, but also because the other teams in their division, as you mentioned with the Patriots, were the exact opposite. Once the Browns moved, other than the Ravens, the Ravens have been a, a really well-run franchise, but they're the old Browns who were a, a really well-run franchise for the most part for years and years and years. The new Browns have not been, so they've been a dumpster fire. Two, two easy wins for the Steelers every year. The Bengals, couple good seasons here and there, but in general, complete dumpster fire. I have a lot of friends from from the Pittsburgh area because I went to school in Western Pennsylvania. And you wouldn't believe how many of them hate. They hate their head coach. They think Tomlin should be fired. And I'm just like, you guys are nuts. You're just absolutely crazy. He's one of the most successful head coaches of all time. Just because you don't win a Super Bowl every season because you've also been a little bit spoiled. Like You see it in Baltimore as well. You keep winning. You keep your smart head coach. You give them the time that they need to rejigger the roster, to adjust things. And what happens? You win a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco because, because you never know how it's going to turn out, right? You never know how the cards are going to fall. And so if you can get into the playoffs, maybe somebody gets injured. And then you end up, you face, you face a team that you can beat. That's not a juggernaut, right? Maybe you don't run into, if you're the Chiefs, maybe, maybe you get it together this year and you get in, you sneak into the playoffs and everybody's like, ah, the Chiefs aren't very good. And, 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 and they start finding their stride. And maybe you get to the Super Bowl and you end up in a situation where you don't face Aaron Rodgers. Maybe Aaron Rodgers gets injured or something. You know what I mean? And like, that's, that's the luck that you were talking about. Like yeah. it, it, it just, you never know what you're going to get. But if you don't get, if you don't get to the big dance, you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to win. You have no chance. So you just got to get there. You got to figure it out. And um, actually, speaking of the Steelers, uh, Ian Rappaport is, uh, from NFL Network is reporting that Melvin Ingram wants out of Pittsburgh and the Chiefs made an offer, according to Aditi Kinkawala. Um, but the Steelers ideally don't want to send him to another AFC team. So there, as she suggests, could the Cardinals make a good trade partner? I hate the Steelers, man. Like you're not winning crap this year. Just trade them to get you get the best offer for your team. You know, give them to the well, Chiefs. And that's that's one where you know, and I, this one I will say, you know, and I'm, I'm sure Veach would tell you, like you know, they should have signed him. Is what they should have done. Now I will tell, I will say this because I was on this when it happened, so I'll I'll continue to be on it here. Look, he visited Arrowhead back in it was either March or really early April. I can't remember, but. You visited. I know from talking to people that they had a good visit. Things went well, but financially it was not a fit at the time. I think I think Ingram's representation wanted a lot more money than he eventually got. By the time he got that money, I think Casey was out of the picture. They'd spent money elsewhere. But that's one maybe maybe you want to do over. Maybe not. Maybe the contract at the time that he wanted was something that the Chiefs are happy they didn't sign. Um, but 
you know, they could use a they could use an edge rusher. I'm torn on this. Part of me says that they should absolutely trade for an edge rusher because they need one. The other part of me says they should just not waste resources at this point. Like just ride it out. And it is what it is, and, and have all your draft picks for next year. I will say to get on the field here a little bit more, you know, watching that Tennessee game, I know this sounds like a really odd statement. You asked me about silver linings earlier, and I actually should have said this, but I didn't think about it in the moment. I thought their secondary played pretty well. I really I actually thought they did. They were all over the receivers. You go back and watch the game. Tannehill made some really, really good throws, which I know you point out on Twitter, and it's true. Like now. Look, the Mike Hughes play where on AJ Brown one on one. That's that's not even a Hughes failure. That's a coaching failure. There's no world on earth where or no world in the solar system that Mike Hughes and AJ Brown should be locked up one on one with no help. Okay, that that's just that's asking to be torched. And Hughes actually was in pretty good coverage, but he got beat. I thought their secondary was okay. I thought it was fine. I don't think it was a problem. And by the way, their linebackers, I thought had the best game they've had in years between Bolton and Gay. Their problem is again, they have no pass rush. So, and it, it's been like that now for two weeks. Their secondary has been good. Their linebackers have been good. Their problem has been their pass rush. Now, the bad news is their pass rush is an absolute disaster. The good news is for weeks on end, all three levels were a train wreck. I think they've kind of figured out two of the three levels. The, the, the question now is, can you fix that pass rush? And I have a feeling that's why you're seeing Brett Veach, who they were in on Mercils. They were in on him. Uh, now they're in on Ingram. Like, they're trying. Is it too little, too late? Possibly. Um, but... I do think now if they could somehow fix that pass rush, I think there's actually a reason to believe they could they could get that defense turned around pretty quickly. I do not think because right now a lot of that Tannehill stuff is also by byproduct of the fact he had five seconds to throw the ball every time. I'm t- I will say this, and we've been harping on this. They've got to get Jones back inside. I was patient. Say, look, let it play out. Let's see how it goes. When they moved Jones inside against Tennessee, if you watch those snaps, he was dominant. He was great inside. But he's not built to be outside. They have got to kick him back inside permanently and go get an edge rusher. And look, I'm not saying if, they, if they're going to trade for anything. I've seen people, they should get a receiver. Hey, look, they're a receiver short, but they need a pass rusher way more than they need a damn receiver. Okay? They have a receiver. His name's Josh Gordon. Go play him. Play him. Eight snaps. My God. Play him. So that's where I'm at. I actually think this defense is close to turning a corner if they can get a rush. But that is a huge looming if right now yeah and let's uh let's move on to our next topic here and start previewing this chiefs versus giants game as you mentioned at the top of the show matt the chiefs are minus nine and a half uh so nine and a half point favorites in this game the over under set at 50 uh which sounds about right i might trend towards the the over here I mean, with the way that Chiefs have been playing on defense, I think you oh, have I to. Would. Yeah. Uh, but but I could see I could also see this game being a sneaky underbet just because the Giants are really banged up. And you know, we talked about this this week. Like <laughs> if the Chiefs aren't at rock bottom and just absolutely like if they they need to come out and just obliterate the Giants. And I actually think that that's what's gonna happen. I think the Giants may really struggle in this game. So let's just, I'll hit on the injuries really quick. And hey, listen, we appreciate you all out there. This is the biggest show we've had so far, as far as live viewers, since we've been doing uh, the afternoon version live on YouTube. So appreciate you all out there watching. If you want to get us uh, a little bit more action and some more viewers, if you could hit that thumbs up button for us, we'd really appreciate it. There's 72 of you watching right now. We got 15 thumbs up. So let's get that up into the 70s. Really appreciate that. And of course, if you're not subscribed to this channel, what are you doing? 
Uh, we got shows on, uh, there's an audio version on Tuesday. So make sure you uh, sign up for that for, uh, Apple iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. And then we're here on Thursday and Sunday and Monday nights after the game, live after show. Yeah, yeah we're going to do the game live. Let me tell you something. We're either all going to be a little happier because you're going to be four and four, or you're going to see a meltdown like you've never seen in your life if they lose that game. So yeah. I, I'm interested to see how this game goes. Look, the Giants have been really, really banged up. They're now getting healthier. Saquon Barkley's back at practice. Kenny Galladay's back at practice. They are missing a lot of guys, though, still. Jabril Peppers, unfortunately, tore his knee up last week. He's out for the year. Uh, they are missing some guys. They have a lot of guys on IR. And I'll say this, and I feel like, I feel like we say this every week, and it doesn't matter. Their offensive line is atrocious. Atrocious. Can Kansas City get a rush? Their tackles are brutal. I mean, the Chiefs, the Chiefs should be able to get home in this game. But we say that every week, and then they don't do it. So right. I, I don't know. But this is – look, guys, I, I haven't said this yet all year. This is a must win. Like, this oh, yeah. is – you have to win this game. You win your 4-4, four and four, it's not great, but you're, you're in the mix. And then they've got three games coming up that are going to define their season. Packers at home, Raiders on Sunday night in Vegas – Home to Dallas. That they're they're either going to get on track and figure it out over these next four games, or they're going to be done. That, yep. That's honestly how I feel. I, I yeah. because I think the last six games of the year, even if they're not playing great, I think they can get on a pretty good run. I mean, they play the Raiders at home, which I think is a lot easier than Vegas on Sunday Night Football. They get them at home. They get the Broncos twice. The Broncos are awful. The Chiefs are going to beat that team twice. They get Pittsburgh at home. Then they have the Bengals on the road and the Chargers on the road, which, by the way, like, look, I think both those games are difficult, but I absolutely think the Chiefs can win those games. Like, I, the, the, These next four games, starting with a game they absolutely have to win, are going to define them here moving forward. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They've got to win. They can't afford. They just they've left themselves no margin for error. None. And they still have. They have actually the, the, the toughest schedule right now. The rest of the way in the NFL. Um, so you know you got to do. Because of that do. three game stretch. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's why exactly the rest it. of the schedule is not that hard. But it's that three game right. stretch. It's brutal. Yeah. So on the injury front, you know, the, the, I think that the Giants actually did a pretty good job of assembling some some solid receivers. And things, but they have just been nailed by injuries. Kenny Galladay is questionable. Sterling Shepard is questionable. Evan Ingram is questionable. Saquon Barkley is questionable with that ankle sprain. Um, Tony is questionable. So, like from an offensive perspective, I mean, they're, they, they're 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 one snap away from putting me and you out there at wide receiver. It's absolutely brutal. I think some of those guys might play. Some of them were dressed and stretching at Wednesday's practice. We'll find out more today. Barkley's ankle. I mean, if you're the if you're the David, pretty careful with him. I would I would reckon he's not going to play this week just based on some things we've been hearing. It might be fifty fifty, but why are you rushing him out there for your playoff run? You know, like this is a guy he's coming back from major uh, injuries already. Like, don't don't send him out there on a on a slightly bum ankle for what? So I don't think I, I think it'll be Devontae Booker for the Chiefs on defense, and they they, they look they should be able. I don't think they could shut down anybody, but they should be able to severely limit what the Giants are. Daniel Jones is not good. He's got some talent. He shows flashes, but he's not a good quarterback. He's not consistent. He can run a little bit, so they need to keep an eye on that. But I mean, guys, if, if they're going out there and they don't have these these players, like what are you what are you doing if you can't stop them? What are you even doing? Well, I mean, look, we don't know who's going to play. Like you said, they all they did was stretch on Wednesday. They they did all stretch. Um, Sterling Shepard, it sounds like he'll be back. It sounds like he's pretty close. I mean, according to Paul Schwartz, who's a beat writer for them at the New York Post, he wrote, and I'm, I'm quoting his, his article, Shepard is closer to returning than the others. He at least had a chance to play in last week's 25-3 to victory over the Panthers. 
that the decision was made to keep him out following a brief, uh, brief pregame workout. Asked to assess whether any among Barkley, Gallaudet, or Tony is ahead of the others, Judge said, quote, they have three different injuries, three different bodies, three different timetables. Uh, I'm not going to go ahead and give a, this guy's further ahead, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I, I don't know. You know, but if you're the Chiefs, you wouldn't mind missing some of these guys this week because I, I, I got to be honest. And if you're the Chiefs right now, you need every break you can get, and that includes against the Giants. They, in the worst way, need a game where they just get right, where they just everything's humming. And I, you could say, well, the Washington game, they sucked ass for a half of that game. Like, I'm, I'm talking a game where they come out and they just kick ass the entire game. It is just, they win 42 to three. You know, again, a game where they walk off the field and they're like, hey, that's us. That's that's our swag. Like that, I think right now with them, to use the old Jimmy Carter line, they are having a crisis of confidence. I really believe that. Like, I think a lot of it with them is mental. And I really believe that with 15. Mahomes is just in his own head right now. You know, and I, and I, when I tweeted out this, this podcast, I said that I would talk about some people say, you know, said, well, this is Mahomes is their biggest problem right now. Look, he's not their biggest problem, but he's one of them. Like he's in his own head. And in my quarterback rankings, he's 11th right now. There's no way in hell that guy should ever be 11, but he is because he keeps turning the football over. They can't live with it. Look, when I was a kid, I rooted for two teams. Probably most people don't know about me. I, I was, I've always been a Chiefs fan my whole life. For reasons I, I, I don't know, my dad always said it's the first game I ever watched as a Rams and Cowboys game. I liked the Rams as a kid. I liked the colors, whatever. They were my NFC team. Um, and the Rams in 1999, it, most people know, they won the Super Bowl, greatest show on turf, the whole thing, right? They, you know, Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Marshall Falk, whatever. The following year, after they won the Super Bowl in 2000, they struggled mightily to make the playoffs. And Marshall Falk was the MVP in the league. But the problem was they could not stop anybody. Warner got hurt. They started turning the ball over. That team ended up making the playoffs on the last day of the regular season. Okay. And they 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 needed they needed the Bears to beat the Lions at the Superdome. And they or the Superdome at the at the uh, old uh, Pontiac Silverdome. And the Bears won. They went and they played the Saints and they, they ended up they lost in, in a wild game. But here are the scores of the games that the Rams played that year. 41 36, 37 34, 41 24, 41 20, 57 31, 45 29. Then they lost to the Chiefs, 54 34 at Arrowhead. Warner got hurt in that game. 34 24, 27 21. I mean, I could keep going, but every score is like that 40 29, 38 35. They couldn't stop anyone. They just got into these games where they just, they could not stop anybody. They were 31st in the league, which at the time, was the worst in football, okay, in points allowed. They were first in points for first in yardage. And you know what? They went 10 and six after starting six and oh, by the way. They fell apart down the stretch. They couldn't do anything. Why? Because their defense can never stop anyone. All of a sudden, okay, the turnovers went crazy. Their turnovers that year, here's a rundown. They had two games they didn't turn the ball over the whole year. Three, one, two, two, one, four, one, two, one, three. Here, here's here's a three-game losing streak. You ready for these numbers? Three, four, seven. All right. That's how you lose when you've got top tier talent. And right now, and by the way, in the playoff game, they lost 31 28. They had five turnovers. They scored 28 points on five turnovers. So my point is, I think sometimes there's a, there's a feeling that you can't get, well, too crazy. Yeah, Mahomes turns it all over, but look how great the offense is. Yeah, but it matters. It's killing the defense. It's killing them. Like we can kill the Titans game all we want. They have 27 points. Well, they turned the goddamn ball over twice in their own, on their own side of the field. Yeah, like, they're 17. This year, you're, 17. You're 
killing your defense, which is not good to begin with. You're taking away chances from yourself. I'm telling you right now, you want to talk about how to fix this thing? Mahomes has got to play better, and he's got to stop drifting out of the pocket. It's enough already. And he's done this. That is one thing he's done his whole career. And listen, if that's the worst thing he does, you'll live with that. But it's causing them problems. He's bailing way too early. I do not think he's their biggest problem. I don't even think he's top three. But when you're as great as he is, you have to be the reason you're winning and not any part of the reason you're losing. He cannot be that for this team right now. If they stop turning the ball over and they figure out how to get any semblance of a pass rush, I honestly think they could take off. But right now, and you asked me last podcast, I picked them not to make the playoffs because I don't know that they can do it. They've shown no signal that they're going to stop turning the football over and that they're going to start getting a pass rush. But I will tell you right now, if they stop turning the ball over and they get a rush, this team will rip off a ton of wins. They will be every bit the contender we thought they were going through the year, but they've got Spagnolo's got to figure out how to get a rush. Maybe if he's just out of peace. And offensively, it is on Mahomes. They've got to stop turning the football. He's getting good protection. This is not yeah. an offensive line thing. This is this is a forcing the ball as a quarterback thing. It's got to stop. And he's not so a, a couple things this week that I think the the national media has also gone into hysterics. Like because yes. the Chiefs had yes. one bad game on offense and they just forget that they've been like they were historically good on offense through the first uh you know f- few games of the season there are issues right and so now they're looking at the tape what's wrong with the Chiefs offense i heard the Chiefs only scored 3 points now i need to watch a game and they they're they're seeing some of these issues but it hadn't been stopping the Chiefs from scoring but it is killing some drives one, and I think this was Dan Orlovsky who made this point, was that the RPO is it was the two, the two I hit on this week were Dan Orlovsky and Marcus Spears, and both were kind of making the same point. Orlovsky was saying they're running too much RPO, and it's it's messing up the offensive linemen because they don't know what to do. And I went back and I looked at some of the tape, and you can actually see it where they're kind of like they're not getting downfield because they're afraid of getting penalized because they can't get too far down the field on an RPO. And they don't know if Mahomes is going to, is going to hold onto the ball and try to throw it or not. Those plays can work really well in certain situations. And the Chiefs have been masters of it over the years. And it has, has worked, especially when teams were trying to blitz the Chiefs a lot. Right. They're trying to get them homes. They're trying to create yeah. pressure. And that's where Mahomes is just burning them on these RPOs, getting the ball out the hill. And you get these big plays because they get in the secondary and nobody's on them. Yep. But teams aren't doing that anymore. The Chiefs just need to run the ball and they don't need to run RPOs. They just need to run the ball. And that's the point that Marcus Spears was making, which was that, look, you've got a light box. You're yep. trying to cut down on turnovers. Just pound the rock at these guys. And, and the Chiefs, you know, Orlando Brown struggling a little bit in pass protection this year. He's fine, but he's struggling a little bit at times. He's a run blocking guy. He comes from Baltimore. Like you've got Trey Smith, who is mauling people. Creed Humphrey is mauling people. The center of this line is fantastic. And so the two things that are really sticking out to me when I go back and I watch the film is Mahomes isn't climbing the pocket. At the first sign of trouble from those tackles, he's running out of the pocket. He needs to go up. He's got solid protection almost always in the middle of of the pocket. So he's going to be able to step up, get more time, play on his feet, and throw the ball, or maybe run straight up the middle for a three or four yard gain, take a slide and keep things moving. But instead he's, he's starting to dance and then he's getting off balance. You see him, he'll start to like, he'll jump this way and his feet will get going this way. When he sees the pass rush start to come in from the edge. So he's a little gun shy. He's got to stop that. He's just got to step up in the pocket, deliver the ball. And the chiefs have got to run into these light boxes and not RPOs, 
power run game. They need to go out there like the like if I'm Andy Reid, I'm watching the Cleveland Browns. I'm watching the way they run with Nick Chubb. Like just get in there, mall guys, get 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 yourself into into third and shorts and and I think you're going to be fine and I think Mahomes is going to calm down, but he's got to stay in the pocket and when it's not there, and that's the other thing. When teams were trying to get pressure on the Chiefs and they were blitzing more, Mahomes getting out of the pocket was deadly. That's why blitzing Mahomes has been deadly, right? So that was great. But now they're not blitzing. And so he's going out of the pocket. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go with the ball. And that's leading to him forcing it. That's leading to turnovers. And listen to this. We're in the upside down. Patrick Mahomes has a 35.6 completion percentage when pressured this season. Only Justin Fields and Zach Wilson have a lower percentage in the NFL. Think about that. They've got to change their approach. And, and, and it starts with Andy Reid. The Eric Bieniemy and Patrick Mahomes. He's running into a lot of these pressures. He is just I, I, look. I, I will I will push back heavily on this stuff with Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown has not been a problem this year. It's, this narrative's got to die and be killed. He is not a problem. If you watch these games and you know, like, look, Mahomes is supposed to set up, and every every play is somewhat different. But Mahomes is typically supposed to set up about seven eight yards deep off the line of scrimmage and for the pocket to be the way it's meant to be. Okay. If you're Orlando Brown and you're Lucas Nang or Mike Remmers, your belief is that he's going to be at that depth. When he's 10 yards back, that may sound like a minute difference. That's six feet. Like that is, you know, for a guy like a Bud Dupree last week, you can just run the arc. You can run a circle. You're Of course you're going to beat the tackle doing that. The tackle's not set up for that. He thinks he's forcing you wide. Like that, that's the whole idea of why you have precision in football, right? Think about it this way. If Tyree Kill is supposed to run a 10-yard 10, 10 route, but he runs it at 8 or he runs it at 12, the timing's off. Throw's going to be behind him. It's going to be in front of him, whatever. Timing's going to be off, right? Mahomes is not helping these tackles. He's got to get to the right depth and stand there. And I got it last year. Last year, this was a big problem, but they could not block in the interior. So he was bailing out because he knew that pressure was going to come. There is no pressure coming up the middle of the field this year. Their guards and center, that that trio, that combination, it's literally the best in the NFL. There's nobody touching him. Nobody. He's not standing in the pocket. And if you go watch some of those snaps against Tennessee, I got to be honest, it was disheartening watching him with his feet. His feet were a disaster. I mean, he looks horrified. It almost, like, I don't think this is the case, so don't, please don't take it this way. It almost looks like he's hurt, and he's like, oh, God, I don't want to get hit again. I mean, he looks horrified. And I know he's not. I know he's a guy who's willing to take hits. So I'm not worried about, like, it's not a courage thing. I mean, he's proven over and over and over he's willing to stand in and take a shot. So it's not that. But I think he got some bad habits last year, and they've been exacerbated by the fact now that you're right. Nobody's blitzing them. They get blitzed 10% of the time. You know how ridiculous that is? Like, most teams get blitzed around 35% of the time, 30 to 35%. They're getting blitzed 10% of the time. Yep. So He's he's scrambling from from phantoms. I mean, there's no yeah. pressure a lot of the time, and he's just running away. And like you said, look, step up. If you're going to get pressure, if you're a tackle, your number one thing is you are not going to get beat inside, and you don't want to get beat with a bull rush. If a guy beats you with the speed rush to the outside, you can always ride his inside shoulder, push him out, and that's going to create, unless there's an interior blitz coming, that's going to create a lane for Mahomes to step up and step out, and then he can either run or he can throw from there. When Mahomes, when your first step as a quarterback is back, you're dead. Yes, every once in a blue moon, he's going to make a spectacular play out of it because he's him. But far more often than not, if you're a defensive coordinator and his first step's back and not up, you're thrilled. You'll take that because now that edge rusher's still in pursuit. He's running him toward the sideline. 
it's you've taken away half the field. And with every step he takes, you're taking away more of the field, more of the field, more of the field. If he steps up and he steps out of it like he should be doing, now the whole field's at his disposal and he's a threat to run up the middle. So now you're sucking up those linebackers and it's causing a, the indecision. Do I, do I suck up and do I take away his running ability or do I stay back and let him run for eight yards? Right now, it's a, the Chiefs' struggles are a combination of a lot of little things. It's not any, on offense anyway, it's not any one huge thing. The turnovers are the huge thing, but they're a product of a lot of little things. A lack of focus, a drop pass, him scrambling out the wrong way. His, his interception to, to Gordon last week, it was just a bad, dumb decision. Like, it right. wasn't anything crazy. He, he could have avoided that. And by the way, if you watch a lot of the plays, and for anyone, and I'm sure, look, I'm sure people mostly know this, so I apologize. When a quarterback drops back and they hit the top of their drop, the, the end of their drop, when his back foot hits, that's when the ball's supposed to come out. Okay, that's not always going to happen. But in theory, the ball's supposed to come out. The first read should be breaking right at that point. And if you watch their tape, they were open a lot on their first read. Kelsey, he won't throw the ball. I can't, Patrick, there must have been a dozen times in that game, rewatching that yep. game where his back foot hits, he, he goes into his hitch, Kelsey's open. Hardman's open, Hill's open, a back's wide. He won't throw it. He will not throw the ball. He's waiting to – and, you know, somebody brought this up on Twitter, and I'll shut up, but they were right on the money with this. A couple of years ago, this same thing in a very similar situation happened with Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers was constantly looking for the big play, and he was leaving a ton of yards and easing completions on the field because their defense wasn't good, and he was trying to make a big play. Once he stopped doing that, he, he won the MVP. He went right back to being great. I do not think Mahomes is broken. I just think his mentality needs to be fixed right now. And they'll fix it. He'll be fine. But right now, it's a mental thing, far more than it is a physical thing. Yeah, and listen, he they just got to show him the tape and say, look, Pat, the big plays are not happening. They're yep. just not going to happen. There's a shell. There's not you, – you need to know – that there's just going to be nowhere for you to go. So you've got to change your thinking and you've got to be like, oh, we've, first, they've got to design the right kinds of plays, the crossers and the slants and those things to take advantage of the coverages that they're seeing. But he also needs to be able to go up there, read the defense and be like, and, it, and I saw this a ton in the tape, his check down. Like this is, they should just be eating all day. Like Daryl Williams, Jarek McKinnon, CEH, when he gets back, those guys, if he goes to the flat right away, they're going to get five, six yard gains every time. Every time. Yep. If he just, no if doubt. he goes to it right away, they could literally run an offense and Andy could be like, you're not allowed to throw to, you're not allowed to throw to any of the wide receivers. You could throw to Kelsey over the middle or you could throw to your running backs. That's it. And just see what happens. They'll go right down the field. They'll go right down the field. You know what's funny? You know, the, do you know the day of the best success rate on first down runs? The best. Now, now right. of course, they have that because they're facing light boxes. But guess who runs? I think it's like they're like 21st or 23rd in the league in first down runs. I know people hate this, and God knows the analytics people hate this to no end. I don't care. They're wrong. Sometimes you do need to run the ball. Yeah. You need to run the ball. You want to know how you're going to get those big plays? Run the ball and take the first read on seven-yard passes. That's how you're going to get big plays. Because just how the Chiefs get impatient offensively, no defensive coordinator wants to get bled to death. Eventually, they're going to come up and they're going to say, damn, man, we can't be giving up six yards every play. We're going to have to take a chance. And they're going to come up. And then the Chiefs will hit them with a big play. Right. But right now, these teams are just going, guys, just bait them into it. Play a bunch of too high. Don't blitz. They're going to get impatient. Look at the film from the last two months. They're just going to throw right into our coverage. You have to be able to get teams out of it. And the Chiefs are not getting out of it. I don't care 
how much, you know, PFF and all these other places. And by the way, who do a lot of fine work, but I do, I disagree with them. I, I will forever disagree with them on this. Running the ball matters. It matters. My God, does it matter? Look at some of the teams that have been the most successful. By the way, when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl that year in the playoffs, they ran the ball. They were really good at it. Like, I'm not saying that she should become ground and pound. They shouldn't be that. But if a team's going to put six guys in a box on first and 10, and you have the line that they have now, what are we doing? Run it right at their ass. Pound the ball. And I think the Chiefs have gotten it into their heads that they're the Globetrotters. And that's fine when you are the Globetrotters. But right now, they're the damn generals. They stink. Like, you have to play a smart football game. You know, everybody here has probably played Madden at some point, okay? Like, I'm guaranteeing that everybody on this, this call, at least most of you have played Madden. I have not played in a long time, but I digress. Look, the point is, if you're playing your buddy, and your buddy's playing cover six, and they got they dropping eight, and they're putting three guys in a box, you're probably going to run at some point. You're probably yeah. going to say, well, he's an idiot. I'm just going to pound the ball at him, and eventually, guess what? He's going to bring a blitz, and I'm going to be able to hit him one-on-one. Okay, and on the flip side of that, if a team's bringing engage eight every play and they're dropping three guys, you're going to throw, right? Like sometimes it's obvious, it's obvious, and they but yeah. they just ref- and that is that is a Mahomes issue, but it's also a coaching issue. That part of this is a read the enemy issue. They've got to be smarter about the way they attack these teams, and then for and by doing that, you'll force them into what you want, and then you can attack them all all day long. I love engage eight. Um- yeah. yeah. And, and, and the last thing I'll say on this with the, with the Giants preview is like, I, I was watching the tape and you see what teams are doing on the RPO thing is they're, they're they want Mahomes to, th- they want him to pull the ball and throw it. And so what they're doing is right when he's about to snap the ball and just after the snap, you're having guys, they're faking, they're faking like they're playing the run. They're starting to go like this. So he pulls the ball and then they're going and they're dropping back into coverage. And that is just absolutely killing them. They're just, they're, they're duping him. Basically, why are they even they're, running RPOs? Right, there shouldn't like, be. I, just stop. And Dan Orlovsky of ESPN made this point, so I'm not I'm not original here. But when he said, I was like, he's like, why are they even doing that? Run the if you're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, hand off. It's not an option play because he actually made a great point. When you run RPOs, you're blocking that up like it's a run play. So, but your offensive line can never really fully commit because they don't know. They're not looking at it. Let the offensive line know, hey guys, this is a pass play. Hey guys, this is a run play. I'm not saying don't ever run an RPO, but that not every run that team has needs to be an RPO. It's fine to just hand the ball off and say, look, we're running here. And if we're not going to run, we'll, we'll check out of it and check into a pass play. Not like, well, it maybe this, it's maybe that. Run it. Run yeah. the ball. They have, they have to get much, much, much better in the in the flow of their offense. Put them under center, for God's sake. Put them under center and run and then run some play action. Like yeah. they, they don't they don't run nearly enough of that. Um, but I digress. We're, we're, we're going a little long, so we're going to keep it moving here. Um, you know, look, like we can get into all the intricacies of the Chiefs versus the Giants. The fact of the matter is, even though they're playing like dog crap, the Chiefs are so much better than the Giants. They should win this game, even if they don't play well. But as you pointed out, Matt, they need to play. They, they, haven't, play played well. a com- they haven't played a complete game all year. Nope. If they're if they're going to ever play well, well enough to beat the good teams in the AFC, they've got to play a complete game against a team like the Giants, who is reeling, who is banged up, who is not very good, and who is probably already starting to make their vacation and golf plans, you know, organizing their tea times for the offseason. So 
We're going to get to our game predictions in just a second. And again, appreciate you all out there in the chat. If you could all do me a favor, we're halfway to our goal of 80 uh, thumbs ups out there. So we got 45 right now. So if you can give us a thumbs up real quick, get some more people in here so they can see the predictions for our final score for this game. We'd really appreciate it. Hit that thumbs up button and of course, subscribe. Um, also, by the way, there's somebody in the chat, Tomek. He's from Poland. He's watching us from Poland. And All he's, right. he's, well, he's he said he's a, he's a Tampa fan, but he watches every episode of this podcast. Um, and he hopes that our team, uh, bounces back. So, I mean, I you never thought that I never thought that anybody would care what I had to say about the Chiefs, let alone people from who aren't Chiefs fans from Poland. So right. hats off Thank to you, you Fred. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for watching. What you guys are awesome. There right now? I don't, I have no idea. I could ask, uh, I could ask the robot over here, but, um, I don't want to get her going. Um, so, uh, all right, let's, we got some reader reviews. So we just want to hit these real quick. Yeah, let's do them. Um, all right. We got, uh, uh, this one comes from a person who I did not copy the name. So I'm sorry. Uh, but I just gained more respect for all of you. Patrick Allen, Matt Verder, I'm Sterling Holmes, Matt Connor. I have gained more respect for you all to have. To cover this Chiefs team is challenging, I'm sure. I don't even want to talk about them, let alone record an entire podcast on them. I love the Chiefs, but this year has been painful to say the least. You ain't kidding. Your job is hard enough without having to cover this garbage. I'm a Chiefs fan till death, but I applaud your efforts this year. Great job attempting to bring our spirits up. Keep up the great work. Go Chiefs. Thank you so much for the review. We appreciate it. Yeah, very kind words. And again, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. We just crossed the 150 review mark. That's awesome. You guys are the best. You leave us a, a written review. Uh, I've even read the bad ones where, where somebody uh, somebody said I was unlistenable. So we'll read it on that the show. Me. And you can, yeah, it was, that was you. I thought you uh, had a better account going. I should have. That'd be funny to tell us to be a troll <laughs> constantly. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Um, next up, uh, 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 this one says top notch. This podcast is informative and also entertaining because of the passion that the hosts have. The hosts are full blown Chiefs fans. We sure are. Um, they've really helped me learn a lot about the Chiefs players, coaches and ownership. Uh, again, uh, appreciate that review. Um, this next one, Vertoram, it's a, it's a fruity pebbles. We got a fruity pebbles mention, which I'm really excited about. You know, it's Good. one of my all time. All-time favorite cereals, um, but I just want to get because I messed up, y'all, and I didn't get the name, so I'm just pulling up Apple Podcasts really quick. That first one came from Batman twenty two eighty seven, so Batman listens to the podcast. Second one from SBJBQB, and this last one comes from uh, Ryzen eighty nine. Fruity Pebbles and a W. Mailman Dave here in Villa Park, Illinois. So not far from, from Vertoram and oh, I. Right. Uh, I love listening to you guys because you speak the truth and it's nice to hear opinions and statements. Just like I, just like what I'm thinking while I'm watching the game every Sunday, you can't go wrong with Fruity Pebbles as the best cereal after my Mahomes flakes are all gone. Keep up the great work. I look forward to listening to every podcast while I deliver the mail. So let's deliver a win. Go Chiefs. Listen, that's Dave. Thank you. Thank you for delivering our mail, especially right. because you're in Illinois and the weather's about to turn. And I imagine that's not you. I got to deal with the dogs in the summer and yep. all that crap. You know, the bees. I just I just learned that, that, that apparently like hornets will make nests in mailboxes and mailmen have to like to put dryer sheets sometimes in people's mailboxes. And for some whatever reason, that deters the hornets. Isn't that crazy? So they're not getting stung when they're reaching in there. Yeah, absolutely nuts. Um uh yeah it's I, totally see, that's right. I just wouldn't deliver the damn mail anymore right yeah like, I, I, yeah. I, I would just write in sharpie like hornet and then that'd right. be it and until you fix that you ain't getting the mail yep. 
Yeah, you're that's not the way it's going to be. <laughs> I, I opened up my uh, my mailbox the other day, and there was an earwig in there. Oh, yeah. uh, you see those? Those things are terrifying looking. Um, uh, twin twin from Sweden. We got somebody in Sweden out We're, there. We've gone global. I love it. Love it. Are the are the twin are the Swedish meatballs in Sweden better than that crap they sell at the IKEA store? Because my my wife and I were there the other day. If you eat IKEA like, food, that's on you. I was hungry, man. You you get stuck in there. You're in there for hours. And that's what they know. Yeah, yeah. You get lost in there, but you're in there for hours, and then all of a sudden, those those uh, those Swedish meatballs or like cafeteria food is looking pretty good. But I'd love to know uh, if uh, what what your opinion on the IKEA Swedish meatballs are. Um, let's get to our. Uh, you got somebody from Germany as well. Future trunks. This is great. I guess it makes sense. You know, it's a little bit later over there. We're recording in the morning, so I bet we're picking up a big international audience. Um, oh, another another one from Sweden. Michael Poyers from 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 Sweden. Uh, pretty pretty uh, pretty rad. You guys are the best. Um, uh, feel for you uh, when you're trying to watch that Monday night football game, though. Yeah. Um, it's going to be pretty late, I reckon. Um, all right, so let's get to our final our predictions. For the game, I'll start with you, Verderam. What's your final score for this one? Thirty-one twenty, and it's and it's not easy because nothing has been easy. Like I look, I don't love to sit here. I like I last week like a dope said forty-five twenty-seven. The Chiefs won't punt. Turns out couldn't have been more wrong. Okay, sometimes you got to take that out on the chin, guys. I'm taking it on the chin. I I thought last week they'd move the ball, no problem. <laughs> I think like you know like most people, I think everybody thought oh, they'll score a ton of points. Can they stop him? If you had told me last week, I was right, by the way, about the Titans score, 27. I was just off by yeah. 42 points with the <laughs> Chiefs. Like, I think they went 31-20. I do not think they will lose. But I, I think we're going to be sitting there at halftime going, oh, my God, are you kidding me? And then they're going to just kind of, like, pull away a little bit. But anything's on the table with them, man. I could see them win this game by 30. I could see them losing this game. I Anything's there, but I think they win. I think it's right around the line. I think this one is going to be 27, Chiefs 27, Giants 16. The Giants, have they've racked up some passing yards this year, but they've not been good at actually scoring points. And I said that I thought the Chiefs were going to obliterate them. That may not sound like an obliteration type of score to you, but I think this is going to be a game where they really get it together. I think they're going to run the ball a ton. I think they're going to get right on offense. I think there's, so there's going to be... I think, you know, instead of scoring 40 points, I think there's going to be long drives where they're just kind of dominant and they get out early and, and, and the Giants just can't do anything. It's a, it's a great game for the defense as well. I think that they're going to play a similar style that they did to the Titans to make sure that they can't run the ball with Jones or Devontae Booker or Saquon if he's in there. They're not going to be scared of these receivers at all. They're going to play man coverage in the back end. The difference is, uh, that, that Dan, He's, he's not going to make the throws that Ryan Tannehill made. So um, I love it. And like I said, we, we got a response on the meatballs. Uh, yes, real Swedish meatballs are way better than Ikea. Of course they are. I don't even know why I bothered to ask the question. Good Has point. anybody ever had that chocolate cake that they have at Ikea, though? That looks actually pretty You're good. You're the only person in the world who's ever eaten at Ikea. How, hum- <laughs> no, how hungry no, were you? Hey, you, hey. What, you like, were you starving yourself was, for a week for you Ikea? I, that cafeteria was full. And eighty percent of the people in there were wearing Crocs. I'm just saying. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a bad scene over there. 
Um, not, I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it. Eat I mean, before there you have go been, to There it. have been homeless people who have passed up food from Ikea. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing that worries me about eating before I go to Ikea, though, is that I might have to use the bathrooms. Oh, you're and done. Because I, I know you're going to be in there for so long. So it's a tricky, you know, maybe like something that's a, oh, a protein bar, something that's going to fill you up and then go and eat after. Um, by the way, I wanted to mention this because we like the, uh, we're, we're big Dairy Queen fans on this show. Today is a miracle treat day. At Dairy Queen, um, yeah. $1 or more of every Blizzard treat sold today at participating Dairy Queens. They're not sponsoring the show. I saw this on Twitter. I friggin' love Dairy Queen Blizzards. Um, uh, but they'll donate it to your local uh, local hospitals. Um, so uh, uh, Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Nice. Uh, so nice. so it's always a good day to, to get some uh, Dairy Queen ice cream if you do have a Dairy Queen near you. Today's the day. I'm going to track one down on my way into the city today. Actually, Verdam and I are getting together, going into the office. Yep. Have right. a, little, a little Halloween uh, party for the company. And uh, yeah. before I get in there, I'm going to go to this uh, one place I love where I buy baseball cards and probably spend, well, spend enough that uh, I'm not looking forward to uh, when my wife sees the uh, credit card statement. But it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I won a That's beer lottery. A beer lottery here in Chicago yesterday. Uh, Goose Island, who makes Bourbon County Stout, which is absolutely incredible. They do a thing called Proprietor's Prop Day. They auction off, uh, or it's like a lottery, and you get to buy some beer. Um, and they do a, a special uh, barrel-aged uh, bourbon stout that they only sell in Chicago for Chicago residents, uh, which is their proprietors, which is great. I got a few stashed in my beer cellar, um, and I hit that lottery yesterday. You get charged automatically like 140 bucks. Told my wife this morning that I won the lottery. Didn't tell her how much it costs. So we'll just wait until again, credit card statement comes in, yeah. you know, just, uh, just hope it works out. It's fine. It is. Yeah, what it is. Right. Yeah, it, you it's know, fine. it's going to be like, what'd you, what'd you spend X amount of dollars on? Like, oh, uh, <laughs> gas. <laughs> right. Right. You know, when she hears that like, it's what, four How beers. many tanks did you fill? <laughs> yeah, I, feel, yeah. I, I was feeling generous. I filled like 10 tanks. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Um, Whatever. I'm not worrying about it. I'm putting together another baseball card set because I'm a nerd. So. Right. Um, all right, everybody. We've taken up way too much of your time, but there's buzz yeah. a lot to talk about. We appreciate you. Hit that thumbs up button on your way out. If you could be so kind. Thank you to everybody in, in, in Sweden and Poland and Germany and the Dakotas all across the country. You're the absolute best. <laughs> the Dakotas, like it's a different country. The, the Dakotas. I mean, pretty much <laughs> is. I mean, it's, 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 um, I don't know tons of people for the Dakotas, but so listen, here's the deal. All right. We're going to be back on uh, Monday night, Monday night. Uh, for the game. It's going to be very exciting. So make sure you're checking the channel uh, for our show covering that. Um, and then, of course, we'll be back. Actually, Sterling and, and Matt Connor are going to drop an episode this weekend because we're in a weird because we're normally Sundays and they do Tuesdays and it's all going to run together. So there's going to be some bonus content coming to you this weekend from Sterling and Matt Connor. We'll be back on Monday night. Make sure you're checking out this channel all the time. We get exclusive interviews, all kinds of great stuff coming in. And, um, you know, head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us one of those written reviews. We'll read it on the show. It'll be awesome. We'll have a good laugh. Um, any closing thoughts for it around before we get out? That's it. It's a must win. Got to win this one. Got to win it. Okay. Thank you guys so much for the support. Thank you for the audio listeners, the video listeners, and everybody all across the world. My name is Patrick Allen for Matt Verderam. Thank you for your support. And as always, go Chiefs.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.